Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. So we're on week four of our series called All We Need Is Love, and we're going to close this series out today. So week four, the first two weeks we were inward focused. The first week we focused on God's love for us, and it is agape. It is unconditional, sacrificial, and vulnerable. The second week we explored the greatest commandment. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And, um, and I told you that in order to love him, you've got to live your, your life in a way that glorifies the Son. That's how we return our love. For, you, know, you don't have to change for God to love you, but you do have to change to love him back. Uh, and then last week, we turned our focus outward as, we, uh, as Jesus shared the second greatest commandment. We studied that, and he said the second is like the first. He said, but you love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's easy to love someone that looks like you, acts like you, and believes like you. It's a little bit more complicated sometimes when they don't look like you, act like you, or believe like you. A wife asked her husband, she said, how would you describe me? And he responded with A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. And she just had this confused look on her face. And she said, what does that even mean? What are you trying to say? He said, well, that's easy. You're adorable, beautiful, cute, delightful, elegant, fashionable, gorgeous, and hot. The wife was like, baby, thank you. She said, but what about the IJK? He said, I'm just kidding. Some people are just hard to love, right? Some people in life are just hard to love. They just keep doing things that just tick you off, make you mad, make you angry, make you cry. Some people are hard to love. What if I told you that I could help you love everyone, even people you don't know, and even people that you don't like? Would you listen if I could tell you how to love people? Would you listen closely? As we close this thing out today, I, I believe I've got a word for you this morning that is going to bring liberation to some of you because you've been, you've been harboring feelings and, and, and you're justified in it. Trust me, you're justified in it. But just because you're justified in it does not mean that you have to continue going through life harboring up those feelings because it's not the way that Christ intended for you to live life. And so at some point, we've got to find a way to free ourselves of, of the people that we don't care too much for, and sometimes even the people that we don't know. And so listen to me today, and, and let's see what the Holy Spirit would say to us through God's Word. And so as we wrap up the series, I want to take us to one of the most profound statements that Jesus ever made. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 13, St. John chapter 13. Not that we should rate any one of his statements over the others, but this particular statement by Christ stands out because it is a game changer for the church. It's a game changer for how we live our lives. And so today I want us to take note of what Christ had to say just before he was arrested, tried and crucified. Jesus gathered his disciples in an upper room in Jerusalem, and, and he shared with them some final words, some principles, and some, some instructions 
Because he is about to leave the church in their hands. The church is just being birthed. What we are doing right now was being birthed in this moment. And, and he wants to give them some final words. And what he tells them has made the church unstoppable. What Jesus said to them in that upper room caused the church to explode. The kingdom of God continues to advance. Now, most kingdoms on this earth have been set up through, through force, through, through military might. But what he said, it, it, it doesn't line up with our ways or our methods of advancing a kingdom. And so you have to listen close to what it was. What was, what was the tool that we, we could grab hold of that would advance the kingdom of God? And Jesus uses a word that we throw around at our disposal like it's worthless. And he uses this word, love. Love. And so Matthew and John, they get their pens out and, and they start writing okay, this is important. We need to take note of what he has to say. And so they, they start writing out what Jesus is saying. And here's what Jesus said in John 13. I just want to read these two verses to you, 34 and 35. And he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I love you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. These are powerful words. So, so strong. And this is what would advance the church. This is what has made us unstoppable. Love is one of the most intriguing topics that Jesus could have discussed with his disciples on, the, on that night. The subject of love, it makes women flourish and men run and hide. It does. Women, women love a good love story. Women say amen if you love a good love story. Don't be ashamed. Amen. You better say amen. I know you, woman. <laughs> That's why, gentlemen, this is why your TVs will be tuned into the Hallmark Channel Christmas movies for the next month. Good Lord. It's because women love love stories. Your wife does not love Christmas as much as you think she does. She just likes the Hallmark Channel love stories that comes with it. The actors all stay the same, but the names change. <laughs> and so you ask her. You ask. You ask. You know I'm telling the truth. It's all the same actors, isn't it? I thought Mandy was watching the same movie for like five nights straight last year. Until I figured out they get kicked off these other shows and they have nowhere to go. And all these B-list actors end up on the Hallmark Channel. I'm just ranting just for a moment. This, has, it's, this is not love. This is hate. You ask a woman, what is your favorite movie? She's going to tell you a love story. You ask a man the same question, what is your favorite movie? And they're going to tell you about their love for adventure and action. Because that's what we like, right? Men, give me a hmm if you believe that. <laughs> well, I think somebody over here just hawked something up, you know. <laughs> love, love is an interesting concept in the fact that according to what Christ just told us, it is commandable. Jesus said, this is a commandment. And so it is something that you can turn off and turn on. 
Love is not the same as liking. And this is where it becomes freeing for you. Trust me. When you get this through your mind, it's going to help you. It's going to liberate your life because love is not the same as liking. I'll suggest to you that you can love people that you don't like very much. You don't have to like your father-in-law to love him. My father-in-law is sitting right there. Yeah. I love you. I don't like you, but I like him most of the time. You don't have to like your coworkers to love them. You don't have to like the students in your class to love, to love them. You don't have to like your children to love them. And there's some moms in the room that just went, oh, thank God. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> I'll admit to you that there have been times in our marriage that I know that Mandy and I did not like each other very much. But love kept us together. There are people that God has put in my life that I don't like very much. But I love them. And there does not have to be an emotional connection attached to love. And I think that's where we get confused sometimes. Because we all go through life and we, we, we know this mindset that in order to be a Christian, we've got to love everybody. Well, you do, but you don't have to like everybody. And it's, it's easier, I'll admit it. it. It is easier to love someone when, when, you, when you like them, but it is not necessary. Godly love... Agape love, it's a decision that you make. And it does not need an emotion attached to it. I know this because it's hard for me to believe that God has always liked me. I, I told you this in the first week. God has always loved you. God has always loved you. You will never be able to do anything that will change that. God has always loved you. God has always loved me. But I know for a fact God has not always liked me. Because it's impossible for God to like me in my sinful state. But he has never stopped loving me. Romans 5 and 8, it tells us that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't like me, but he demonstrates his love for me, that he died for me. And so when you love someone with the love of Christ, you're choosing to compassionately seek the well-being of another, even if you don't like them. Even if you don't know them. This month and, and over the next few months, we see this played out before our very eyes. Think about serve month. We don't know most of the people that we're serving. There are only, I looked at the projects, there's only a handful of people that we actually know and that we actually get to make contact with. And, and, and for most of us, we will never see the people that it impacts. Heart of Florida Food Drive, many of you brought food in today. For us to take to the heart of Florida Youth Ranch, and you don't know any of those kids, but yet you are loving them. You don't even have to know them to love them. 
Heaven's presence, some of you will take some of those names today and you will go shopping for children that we don't even give you their name. We give you a number. That's what you get. That's all the information you get. And you don't even know them, but yet you will extend the love of Christ to them. Think about our missions giving. This church has loved orphans all over this world. We started off loving orphans in Africa and then and South and Central America and then Haiti. We, we love children that, that most of you, unless you've ever been on a mission trip to one of those places, you will never get to meet those children. You love people that you don't even know. Siri Pregnancy Center. We had a serve team there last weekend. And we will raise, like we did this past year, we will raise a bunch of money to help support that. Loving on moms that they don't have a clue what to do with their unborn child. And you will probably never get to meet those children. You don't have to know them and you don't have to like them to love them. This is why Jesus told us to love our enemies. Jesus never told you to like your enemies. If you like them, they're no longer enemies. But he said, you've got to love them. Love your enemies. And so Jesus made it known that that love is commandable. A new commandment I give to you is what he said. It is commandable. And, and, And love was not new. Understand what Jesus was saying. Love was not new as we've already established. God is love and God has always been. He exists outside of time and space. And so love has always been around because God has always been around. So Jesus was not saying that that love was new. Jesus was not introducing love for the first time. He's not stating that love didn't exist before this moment in the upper room. But when you go back to that Greek word, the Greek word kahinos, it it, it means fresh, innovative, a new opportunity. What Jesus was saying is this commandment that I'm giving you, it, it is a new opportunity for you. This is innovative. No one else is thinking like this. This is outside of the box. This is a new way of doing things. Love one another. And he didn't put stipulations on that. Some people like to confine that inside the walls of the church, that that we are to love one another and it stays right here in-house. My God is not selfish. My God is a giver. and, 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 And I know that my God wants his love to extend beyond the walls of this church. And he said, love one another. And understand that when Jesus said, this new commandment that I give to you, love one another, Love one another. When he said that, this is the moment that love went from being a noun to being a verb. This is that moment. This is the game changer because God is love. That's a noun. Person, place, or thing, right? Right? Okay. Noun. God is love. Verb. Love one another. And he said, I want you to take this thing right here and I just want you to give it out. 
just, just, just freely give this thing out. This is the new way, the new concept. You take what you know about God and I want you to share this with everyone that you come in contact with and it begin to spread like wildfire. Parents in the room will understand that there are times when siblings don't like each other very much. Amen? You have kids? If you have kids, more than one, one of the freeing things for you as a parent is that when you have a kid, now all of a sudden you're not the only one arguing with your kid anymore because now you have a sibling, they have a sibling and, and, and now they can argue with each other. But, but a good parent, a good parent will make sure that, that they love each other. They may argue, but a good parent will make sure that they love each other. You, you go tell your brother that you love him. No, I didn't, I didn't ask you. I told you. A new commandment I give to you. And a, be a beating with a belt I'll give to you too. You go tell your brother that you love him. You get over there and you hug your sister. Well, that was the one that always got our son, man. He still, to this day, he doesn't like to hug his sister. It is just... Jesus was telling us that all human beings have value. You understand what I'm saying, right? All human beings have value. If that's true, you will never look into the eyes of someone that God does not love. You may not like him. But you will never look into the eyes of any one person on this planet that has ever been or will be or is currently. You will never look into the eyes of a person that God does not love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Jesus said, love one another just as I have loved you. How has he loved us? Unconditional, sacrificial, and at times it's even vulnerable. And one of the mistakes that we put on love are the conditions that we place on it. Let old Pastor Rocky um, talk to the female middle school and high school students in the room. Everybody else can check out just for a second, but I'm not a youth pastor. I haven't been a youth pastor in um, a decade and a half almost. And... Um, I think this is my opportunity to speak to some of the, the middle school and high school teenagers and, and the parents will thank me later, but listen to me girls. If that pimple face, axe wearing moron <laughs> tells you that he loves you and then he expects something in return, you kick his butt to the curb. That's not love, that's conditional. Parents, you better be amen and me better than that. If he expects something out of you just because he told you he loves you, get rid of his butt. Amen. amen. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. That's what you have to filter it through. But husbands, wives, the same applies to you. Love is not conditional. 
You don't get to choose whether or not you love your spouse by whether or not they complete your checklist. You should have made that checklist before you married him or her. It worked for Kay. You may not like them, but you need to love them. Choosing to compassionately seek the well-being of another. That's love. And then Jesus said, by this, all people will know you are my disciples. This is God's chosen method for good PR, public relations. God chooses to promote his kingdom using us and our ability to love others. And he says, they're going to know this by the way that you love one another. People will know that you are with me, is what Jesus said. People are going to know that you're a part of my kingdom by the way that you love one another. I recently had to handle a business meeting at another church that, that um, is, is on a region that I oversee. And it, it wasn't long after I opened the door and just walked in that night. I got there a little bit early that someone had already called me over and, and wanted to have a private conversation with me uh, and uh, about some people in the church that they didn't care for very much. I listened. I walked away from that conversation, walked into the sanctuary. Somebody else calls me over to the side. They want to tell me how much they didn't like the last pastor. And then they proceeded to tell me that they didn't like the pastor before that either. I'm sitting there thinking... Maybe it's you, not them, but who am, I, who am I to judge? I'm just here to handle business, right? I'm, I'm here to appoint a new pastor. About halfway through the meeting, I'm thinking, this guy does not want me to appoint him as a pastor here. Run, run. They told me what they didn't like about previous staff members, and, and, and there was just so much going on in that church. And I, and I just thought to myself, well, I remember at, at, at the end when I'm closing out after I've appointed this new pastor, I'm closing out, and I... I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stick around for a while. If anybody has any questions, uh, comments, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm, and, and that was the worst thing I could have said. <laughs> they hung out for the next hour complaining to me about everything and everybody in the church. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. How? By the way that you love one another. No wonder your church is in decline. What you're advertising, nobody wants. And if that's not enough... John expounds on this even more. And when you turn farther over into your New Testament, there's a book called 1 John. And he tells us that there's more at stake than just whether or not a church grows. There's more at stake than whether or not the kingdom of God grows. There's some personal things at stake for you. John was that disciple of Christ that felt very loved. Matter of fact, all throughout the book of John, when he describes himself, he describes himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. And so he felt the love of Christ. He always describes himself as that. He understood, and, and he took notes that night so that he could present it to us. But you get over to 1 John, and he just starts expounding on it. If you've never read the book of 1 John, it's not very long. You should read it sometime, because it is a book all about love. And, and, and he lets us in even more in depth on, on, this, on this lecture that Christ gave to his disciples as he expounds on what was said. And for some reason, love is what stood out to John the most. 
1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 10, he says, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Listen to what he says in verse 9. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Mm. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. John just told us, you can't be the light of Christ if you choose not to love. So you've got to love your enemy. You've got to love your boss. You've got to love your, your wife. You've got to love your husband. You've got to love your ex. What? What? Pastor, you had me until you said that. Oh, you got to love your ex. You don't have to like them, but you have to love them because you are the light of Christ. John goes on in chapter 4, 1 John, verses 7 and 8. Man, I love these verses. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not have love does not know God because God is love. So he reinforces it there again. God is love. He knows. He knows who God is and he knows our responsibility in taking that noun and turning it into a verb. He goes on in verses 11 and 12 and he says, Beloved. He keeps calling us that. You notice that? He's reminding us that we're loved by God. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides, abides in us and his love is perfected in us. He says, if, if, if we will exude God's love, they're going to see. They've never seen God, but they're going to see God through what we do. And then in verses 16 through 19, he says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Listen to verse 17. Here it is. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Do not get this wrong. His love being perfected in us and through us gives us confidence on the day of judgment. That means on the day that you stand before the holy God, you are judged for how you lived your life. And, and church, you better have these two things on your side when you stand before that holy God. The first thing that you better have is you better have your defense attorney by the name of Jesus Christ Esquire. If you're standing there without Jesus Christ, friend, you are in trouble. Your life will be damned to a hell. You do not want to stand before God without making the decision to trust Jesus Christ with your soul. That's the first thing. The second thing that you better have there with you is you better have some evidence. The evidence that you love people the way that God loves people because every eye that you look into, God loves them. Every, every life that has ever been born on this planet, God loves them. And you better have the evidence there with you that you loved them. Even if you didn't like them, you loved them. And if you have these two things on your side, you have nothing to worry about. Listen to what he continues to say in verse 18. If you've got these two things on your side, listen to what he says. There is no fear in love. Amen? 
He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And and John tells us that we are perfected in our faith. We are perfected by loving God others. I don't know about you, but I've got some things in my life that I, I, I really don't want to come up on that video screen when I stand before God. I don't know if it's going to work like that. It's always how I pictured it. But if I'm standing there before God and he's got a remote control in his hand, he doesn't need a remote control. He's just like, let there be light, Poof, you know. And so if my life, the highlights of my life start playing right there on that screen, I'm in trouble unless it has been perfected by the way that I love others. So I'm going to have Jesus Christ standing beside me. I'm going to do as much as I possibly can to have the evidence that I have loved others with the same love that he had for me. And and, and you may ask, well, how do I do this? How do I make this work? Pastor, that all sounds great. How how, how is this perfected in me? How do I make this happen? Well, the first thing is this. Jesus did say that you pray for your enemies. One of the people that I hated the most on this planet. I hated him. I felt like he ruined my life and I felt like he ruined my my parents and, 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 and I hated this man. But the day Jesus got a hold of my life and I started praying for him. It is hard to hate someone when you start praying for them. We will never be best friends again. But I can tell you this. I don't hate him any longer and I pray for God's blessings over his life I don't have to trust him again but I promise you this when God does something great in his life I can now from a distance celebrate it that's how you begin extending the love listen to how Paul said it in Colossians 3 verses 13 and 14 he said bear with each other and forgive one another you hear this right Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. There's a lot of people on this planet I cannot love unless I put on love, which means I have to put on God because God is love. One of the best prayers that you can start praying for your life is, God, teach me to love them the way that you love them. God, teach me to love them the way you love them. Or or, or pray, God, love them through me. Love them through me. What if you are the only love of God that they will ever experience in their life? If God's put that mandate on your life and you are the only love that they uh, the only love of God that they will experience the only true love that they'll ever know I just know that I want to stand before God on that day of judgment and know that I did what I was supposed to do in loving them so be free you don't have to like them but you do have to love them Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, 
log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.